Hello, Chelsea fans, and welcome back to a joyous, a very joyous episode of the Romans Empire podcast, huh, Sam? I haven't been this happy in a very, very long time. It's been a long summer. It it has been a long summer. I think the last time I've been this happy was the 4-2 at Wembley. Yeah. In the FA Cup. Definitely. Against Tottenham as well. So yeah, I think every time we beat Tottenham, it just brings me just immense joy. Yes, it does. And I, it makes and it makes blood rush to certain places. That you know, that was a London derby right there. That was the epitome of a London derby. I don't think I don't think there's any other way to describe that match besides like that was the definition. Like it, it just epitomized what a derby match should be. Right. It was great. I I I enjoyed it. I know all the other Chelsea fans out there enjoyed it. We scored three goals, but only two of them counted for us. So we scored every goal that game. That was that was that's big. You know, that's a start. Yeah, that's as good as a shutout. Yeah, you know, and uh, in a really cynical way. Yeah, you know, Yamishi Bachuai being the young Didier Drogba scoring a header goal right as he gets subbed in. You know, that's but uh, wrong, wrong, wrong goal though. Yeah. Yeah, we'll um, talk about it in a little bit. Anyways, so for those of you that don't know and whoever didn't watch the game, um, Chelsea won 2 1 in a very, very interesting matchup. I think it was, this was as tactically intriguing of a football match as you're going to find. Um, two of the most, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, tactical, tactically aware managers um, and tactically astute managers going head to head. Um, but we came out on top. So um, let's dive into our formation. So um, we played a modified 3-5-1-1. Um, we had Rudiger on the left-hand side of our back three, Andreas Christensen in the middle, Azpilicueta on the right. Uh, Moses returned to his right wing back role, Alonso on the opposite left wing back side. Um, David Luiz playing in the middle of that midfield three. So he had Beautiful. Conte on one side, Bakayoko on the other and William playing right beneath of Alvaro Morata. So, um, big talking point in this game. I mean, we just have to dive right into it. Marcos Alonso. Turning heads. Turning heads. League. Definitely. Turning Hugo Lloris's head. I mean, <laughs> that was appalling. Yeah. As a goalkeeper, I mean, as goalkeepers in general. If a, a goal in in the near post, giving up near post, that's like someone sleeping with your wife. Like I, I think can't think I, of like a bigger slap in the face. I think we need to put uh, Marcos Alonso's left foot in a museum or something because it's <laughs> it's a work of art. Speaking of his left foot, um, you know I I have this question here in the script and I really want to dive into it. I think it's one of the more interesting questions in a Premier League right now. I honestly, my personal opinion is I think he is one of the top three left backs in in England right now. Um, so I just want to know your take on that because I know a lot of people are saying, oh, well, he's not a traditional left back or, um, you know, his his he's really good at attacking, but his defending's not good. Look, I think defensively he could hold his own. He's a big body. He's quick. He has an awesome left foot. He could cross the ball. He's great on set pieces. He wins headers, puts he 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 puts in challenges. I mean, like, what else? Do I had, you want the guy to. I do? honestly had the opposite take last season. You know, he I thought he was a very solid defender, and that the one the thing that he had to improve on 
I mean, I didn't, we didn't really expect to, like a lot of goals out of him, but I mean, that would have been nice. But I, I even mentioned last week how I thought that his, his offense had improved a lot um, in our, he looked really well in our first game, but I mean, I have a stat here, eight goals and 33 appearances since he joined the club. Yeah. So that's a goal, give or take every four matches or so. You can't get that anywhere. Like we're going to spend 73 million on, on Alexandro. You're going to put a guy who's putting up these kind of numbers and putting in these kinds of performances in big matches on the bench. Like, like that doesn't resonate well with me. I guarantee that Sunderland fans were watching this game and in tears because uh, I just, you know, Fiorentina, they loaned Alonso to the club in 2014 with the option for Sunderland to buy him outright after 20 appearances. And Fiorentina says that the asking price was only five million pounds, and, and Sunderland shorted they, them. They backed off. They only offered two point five million. Another player. Two years later, Chelsea is able to get their hands on him for about twenty four million pounds, which you know by itself was an insane bargain. Looking back over you know a year later, but you know the Sunderland fans definitely not feeling too good about that. That's a total shame. Also, I mean this whole this performance makes me feel a lot better about you know not getting Alexandro and honestly I don't think that we should go after him anymore I think that it would be better a smart idea for us to go after a less expensive player uh, who will just play a backup role. like a deputy yeah and allow yeah. allow Alonso to rest rather than shelling out 80 million plus for a now it looks like our strong our strongest position right now I mean 73 million is a lot for a left wing back isn't it especially yeah. in this window um, so we can't say enough about Marcus Alonso, but I mean, there was, this was one of those matches where you really can't just point out one person and say that was the guy. Yeah. Obviously he had the two goals and he was a match winner for us. He was basically unplayable, but we had, we had a debutante today in, That's in, right. in uh, Timui Bakayoko. So, you know, I have, I have it written down right here. And I, I have it verbatim, and this is exactly how I feel and all I have to say about it. Bakioko's a fucking brute, and I love it. Like, what this guy does on the field is he's an enforcer, he wins the ball, he's strong, he's athletic, he's agile. I mean, for a guy that's not 100% match fit, he already looks like an upgrade on Matic defensively. The way he fills up gaps, the, the way he covers grounds, his... His football IQ, letting him know when to hold the ball, when to break. And all of this, again, like he said, practically playing on one leg and somehow completing the full game, you know, albeit towards the end of game. You know, he looked, you definitely saw how tired he was. He made a tiny, you know, couple of mistakes. But, you know, that that was after a full game. I, I really don't blame him for that. Also, you know, the one thing I would point to is that maybe he has to adapt to our style a little bit better. But, you know, that comes with time. I expect him to come on, uh, you know, to pick up on it quickly. And, you know, there was a there was talk that this would be an upgrade on Matic. But now I feel this after his performance that I feel a lot better after this deal. I'm not surprised that, you know, he, that he performed so well. But, you know, you have a you already have a guy who is an enforcer, if you will, in, in N'Golo Conte. And now you're adding Bakayoko into the mix. I mean. Looking down the line, I don't see any other club in England that has a better defensive midfield pairing. Right. Um, the they're both French, which is has got to be some sort of French chemistry. connection. Yeah. So, I mean, heading into a World Cup year, 
if they perform well together, could we see them playing possibly behind a Paul Pogba? Yeah, I, uh, I, I, I don't, I don't well, think, yeah, I, I don't think that's outlandish. And then I want to point out again, he's only 23 years old. That's I'm so happy right now that we have him on our team. So those two together is is going to be fantastic to watch. It's it's I'm really excited personally, and and I know already that he's going to be a fan favorite at the bridge. I mean, people just love players with that kind of heart and that kind of will. He sort of epitomizes Conte's. He 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 epitomizes his 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 enthusiasm on the sidelines on the field, and that's what I love. Like I remember there was one play specifically where where uh, Musa Dembele was shielding the ball, and someone came up from behind him and just barged him right over and took the ball right off of him. And I I don't think I've ever seen someone knock Musa Dembele off the ball that he got easily. Manhandled. He got manhandled, and it was Bakayoko, and you know. It, I'm just, I'm loving it. I feel like that was the one thing we were missing. That's the one thing that's missing mm-hmm. from Conte's game, and we got that in another French midfield player who's young and has a high ceiling. So, last point on Bakayoko: Are you a fan of the bleached hair? Um, as long as he puts in performances like that, I don't care. I if love he it. Goes with the Dennis Rodman look. Yeah, yeah. He he could he could do whatever the hell it he wants. Out. As far as I'm it concerned. stands out. I really do like the look. You know, you know what I found out about Bakayoko in Monaco. His um his mentor was Claude Makélélé. Wow. Interestingly enough, and they actually brought Makélélé in the day Bakayoko, or not the same day, but you know, shortly both, after shortly yeah. after Bakayoko pulled up to training in a pink Porsche Cayenne. So like, I mean, he had didn't have his head screwed on straight. Makélélé came in. Yeah. Got his head screwed on straight. Anyways, I just thought I wanted to mention that. It's he's got fact. yeah, he's got a high ceiling. I'm really excited. So, um the last midfield player that we'll cover, normally a center back, but David Luiz. And okay. Yeah. Before you get carried away, Sam, because I know this is your boy. Um I know you always loved them as a center defensive mid. Um, I was never too fond of him playing in that role just because he's too gung ho. Um, he takes too many chances, but now that you got what you wished for, do you think this is a formation that Conte could possibly play in tough away matches or possibly champions league knockout stage it's matches? It's funny. Cause you say you don't like him cause at that position, cause he's too gung ho, but I honestly, I, I think it's the opposite that it's better that he plays in defensive mid when he pushes up like that. Cause you know, when he's the last line of defense and he pushes up like that, you know, it leaves your defense vulnerable. But when he's the second line of defense, he's, he has the freedom and he's know, a he, trash man. Yeah. He's able to push up, you know, steal the ball at half field, just like how he did in that last goal intercepted at half field and, you know, quick counter attack. He loves, he loves to play up. Let let the man play center defensive mid so he can continue to push up. I agree to a certain extent, but I only think he I only think this should be something that's feasible in like I said, tough away games or Champions League uh knockout stage games. Like if we I've, if we like God forbid if we draw a Real Madrid or a Barcelona or a PSG or a Bayern Munich, any of the top clubs in Europe, and we have to go to their stadium and try and nick a point or take a nil nil draw or a one nil. I think this is a good formation to have, especially when we get Hazard back. Um, I know we're going to talk about our attack a little bit later on, but, you know, it almost seems that the personnel that we have now 
is almost ideal for a counterattacking style. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and we've seen Conte do that before, you know, we've seen him give up possession willingly and still take three points with confidence. So, um, the, the next person we're going to talk about is, is he's a center back as well, Gary Cahill. So I have his name written down here, even though he took no part in the game besides that quick cameo of him in that, um, what do you call that shirt? Is it like a collarless polo? Yeah, there's a name for it. It's 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 like it looks like a traditional like uh like Chinese wardrobe kind of. Yeah, you know? it does. It has a little bit of Asian flair in it, but obviously it's probably the most English man <laughs> on the planet wearing yeah. that. So and he can wear he could wear a kimono and rock it like and people would be like, oh, that guy's definitely British. Yeah, he probably <laughs> could, and he pr- still would have got a red card last game <laughs> too with the kimono. So. Um, the question I have here, and, and this is something that I noticed personally, um, I genuinely love Gary Cahill. I think there's no better person to captain the club. I think he's been there, done that. He's won everything there is to win. Um, he's, he personifies, you know, leadership. He's, you know, he's one of our most consistent players, regardless of his mistakes, um, he's a great example on and off the field, especially for the young players on the squad. But, you know, the last couple years, he's been coming under fire. He seemed to be the scapegoat for everybody um, whenever we would perform horribly. It was usually him or Matic. Um, but now I genuinely feel like his spot could be in jeopardy. So I, I want to get your take on that. I don't think he's quite lost his spot yet, but he definitely doesn't have an automatic claim back to that position. Once he returns from his suspension, the three-game suspension. Yeah, but, a straight red card. Uh, I I can't be mad about depth. And, you know, this kind of goes back to David Luis as well. You know, we have so many center backs. And I think that, you know, like putting, keeping David Luis out as a center defensive mid will only open up opportunities to allow C- Cahill to go back in the center back position. Because but, we're not taking out Rudiger. We're not taking out Christensen. We're not moving Aspilicueta right now. I I mean, I still think that, you know, he's he's going to be playing a lot at Cahill. But. I genuinely don't think David Luiz is going to be playing center defensive mid that often. Like, like I don't think it's going to be a, like a mainstay. I mean, we have two center defensive mids as is. And you know and I know in the games where we play weekend sides. I mean, we, we played this game with a, with a center back down. So what are we going to do when we get another one come back? I mean... It's going to be really hard for him to step back in. And and it's interesting because the two players that stepped in at center back when, Do- you know, because David Luiz pushed up and obviously Gary Cahill's suspension, you had Rudiger and Christensen. And, and I, and I, you know, I praised them highly last match. I thought they were two bright spots in a very poor overall team performance. Um, Just, you know, quick stats on Andreas Christensen, a hundred percent pass accuracy. Nine clearances, four blocks, two aerial duels, one, and one interception. That's in his first full Premier League debut. So Man, he looked solid. He looked focused. He was blocking shots all day. Dare I say it? That performance was John Terry-esque. It, it really was in, in a lot of ways. Christensen, you know, for as young as he is, he doesn't really... 
His youth isn't a factor. It's not an issue for, for him. It's not a problem. It's not something other teams could exploit. Yeah, because he's played in big games. He's played in big games at yeah. Mönchengladbach. I mean, if I'm not mistaken, he's played Bayern four times. He's played Borussia Dortmund four times. Played Real in, uh, in the Champions, Champions League. League. Right. I mean, he 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 plays. he's played against big clubs, and he spoke about it before the season started. He said that he's very confident in his own ability. I mean, he played against Muller and Lewandowski. And like, it, it was incredible that th- these um, Christensen and Rudiger, this, these two young center backs, really made probably two mistakes the whole game. The whole entire game. I mean, they and, played with such poise. I, I, I mean, you got to give a lot of credit to uh, to Conte for the way that he was able to, you know, put them together. I, but and, you know, credit to Conte for one. But like, I'm never gonna stop preaching about how ballsy it is to go out, you know, to Wembley Stadium playing against Tottenham, who's Usually the one guarantee these last couple years, they've probably been that one team that's guaranteed to give us a hard time, whether we win or lose the match. They always give us a decent, a decent match. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Christensen, and 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 I, I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but I was reading about it today, and it's in 2014. John Terry said that this is the future marquee center back of Chelsea Football Club. And I didn't really understand it because we never really got to see him play. And now that we're seeing him play, he looks like, I yeah, mean, I'd say JT is a pretty good judge on talent. He knows what a good center back looks like. Put it this way. If he was, if Andreas Christensen was English, he would be worth more than John Stones. Yeah. And I don't think that's a stretch. <laughs> Because he looks way more poised this, than Johnson. This just gets me so excited to think about, man. Really hyped. I'm and, really you know, excited. Antonio Rudiger, um, he struggled at times in the match, but overall, a very solid performance from him. Yeah, but you, you're again, you got to put it into context that they pretty much marked him with the greatest, with the maybe the best striker. In Probably the, the best, League. yeah, the, the best strike pairing. So you, you're going to have to expect, you know, him to struggle sort of a little struggle. bit, but. He shut him down. Can't have, he had eight shots, which is a Premier League record without scoring a goal in a match. But still, all the shots were not, you know, they were not coming from good angles. Yeah, right? yeah. We were talking about it before the pod. None of the shots he had were clear cut. Like I, I rewatched the game earlier today. Today's Monday, and I rewatched the game, and there was no real chance that Tottenham had all match where I was like, ah, they should have put that in. Mm-hmm. That hit the post, but it was like a very difficult shot. Yeah, it was, like it was a, it was a blessing that actually hit the post. But still, I mean, if you look at the flip side, William had a through ball to Victor Moses that mm-hmm. he absolutely shanked, yeah, and, and it went that. right to Musa Dembele. And then William also hit the post in that match. Yeah, Maratha missed a wide open header in the six yard box. Yeah, we should have we should have put away four, definitely maybe five. I think you're right. Um, speaking of putting in goals, um. Or speaking you know, of Murata. Speaking of Murata. <laughs> I mean, this match really shed light on, you know, the believability in Conte in terms of him saying that Murata's still unfit. And he did look unfit at times. Um, I had an issue with his work rate mostly, and I'm gonna write it off today because of it's because of it's you know, his match fitness. And he's not known as a forward that's lazy. But I really do think, to an extent, we were spoiled with Diego Costa's work rate. Yeah. And even when Diego Costa was having a match where he couldn't, you know, throw a rock in the ocean, 
or couldn't put the ball in the back of the net or connect passes or anything like that, he still gave the other team's center backs a really hard time. He was always a handful. And I think that's something Murata needs to learn. He needs to learn those dark arts, especially in the Premier League, because that's probably where it's most prevalent. So um, do you think that he's still unfit? And if not, how long of a grace period are you going to give him before he grows into the pace of the league? I don't know, because watching him play... He's he's really like his instincts put him into the position to make these amazing runs and he's he's really fast. Like there's been a couple there was a couple times during the game where he out sprinted, you know, every defender on Tottenham. And you know Oh yeah, there was one time where he flicked it past Alderweireld and and just he skinned him alive. Yeah. Like, like right. he had like he started out like two or three yards behind him and I mean, he was in front of him by maybe three or four yeah. yards and got pulled back. You know, that, that header that he missed, I, I honestly believe that 95% of strikers probably couldn't time the run that, you know, put him in that position in the first place. His instinct will put him in more positions throughout the season, and they will go in. I just felt like he was unlucky. Um, wow. Maybe maybe he, he does need to get in better shape, but, I mean, he's he's shown it. A statement of intent. See, my only concern with Murata is that even though he's a somewhat proven goal scorer, some people say he was a flat track bully in at Real Madrid, but he's used to playing on a team that enjoys possession and creates chances at will. And Chelsea's not that team. You know, I said it earlier, we sit back, we let the other team play in front of us. We stay tight, compact, and we're gritty. Last season, more often than not, we would only come by maybe three or four decent chances all match long. And we need to have a striker that puts at least one of those away every match. And that's my only concern is, is, and it's something that, you know, maybe I'm hoping he proves later on in the season. And I'm not saying that he's not going to do it. Um, I just haven't seen it yet. Uh, we saw a, a little flash of it in the Burnley match, but can he be a killer in front of the goal? I mean, he needs, he needs to convert the minimal amount of chances that he's going to get you know and we were fortunate to have that the last two or three years with Diego Costa I mean I think he's as clinical as a striker as it gets mm -hmm. he gets very few opportunities but he makes the most of them I think Morata has the tools to be even better than Diego Costa because he's more physically gifted um, but it still remains to be seen yes and uh, speaking of strikers that you know take advantage of opportunity Michi Batshuayi. Oh man! After uh, after you know a pretty pretty bad performance the past two games. The Community he, Shield was garbage. He, yeah, he I, he had the chance to redeem himself and he did. You know the got put in, scored a goal. Uh, an own goal. An own goal. Yeah. So see, I mean, here's where I stand on Batshuayi, and my opinion doesn't change. I know some you have a little rant coming up, and that's fine and all, but. Let me just get in what I want to say. I still fully support Batshuayi, and I still stand by my statement of he's not that superstar type talent that you know people want him to yeah, be. A lot of Chelsea fans get. I feel that. like the fact that he's Belgian is clouding a lot of people's judgment, and it's setting their expectations way too high. People are forgetting how young he is. People are forgetting how inexperienced he is. Even in the Premier League. He didn't play that much last year, but when he did, he, he played okay. He was all right. Um, 
he still has a lot of growing up to do. As a center back myself, I feel for him because sometimes you have to take a gamble when the ball when the ball comes in at a certain angle. And in his in his situation, if he let if he didn't make any contact with that ball and just let it fly through, who knows? Deli Alley, you know, Eric Dyer or Harry Kane, one of those guys would have gotten on the end of it because you got to give credit where credit's due. Christian Eriksen put in a hell of a ball in a very dangerous area. Yeah, that's what he box. does. That's what he does. So, I mean, this goes to your question, Sam. I mean, and not even a question. Just, just go ahead and vent. Okay, this kind of this is hard for me to say because of how well he pl- he's been playing before. But seriously, c- could there have been a worse response to his awful performance last week against Burnley? I mean, obviously. He wasn't paid for that goal, but I honestly think that he might have been paid. Uh, like That was seriously, in my opinion, one of the worst attempts at clearing a set piece I've ever seen in my life. You know, if you're standing in front post and you turn your head backwards, yeah, sure. He says maybe he wants to go over the post, but in my opinion, whenever you're standing in the front and near post, you got to head it out of bounds in front of the post. Um, and, you know, to... Or at, least, or at least try and head it out for a throw yeah, exactly. or yeah. a corner. Right. That's what I mean. A corner, but in Near front post. of the post. Yeah. Um, you know, today there's a rumor that that came up saying that Lille, uh, the club that Hazard came from, uh, they're preparing a 40 million euro bid for Michi Batshuayi. You know, part of me says that if they make that offer, uh, we got to take the money and run as fast as we can because we may not get another offer like this for him if he continues this play. But also at the same time, we would be we would need to be running to another team to find another striker because I don't think we have the personnel right now to bear the loss of another striker. But that's where my issue is. So like you say, like you'll consider taking that deal, but that's such a low ball offer in this transfer window like 50 million which is 10 million more than leo are offering for batshuayi supposedly Mm -hmm. 50 million will buy you marco arnautovic yeah and i hate jumping the gun like this you know after two bad performances but he has played with such awful poise and decision making no confidence he just i can't bear to watch another man of him i mean it's a it's when he's on when he's on the pitch, it's impossible for a team to push our players past half field when he literally holds the ball up for point zero 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 one seconds every time and then loses it. All right. I, okay. I, I'm well, done. I'm I, done. On I think issue. I think the moral of the story is I'm we done. wish Batshuayi would go back to playing as good as his social media game. Um, I think he's going to delete his Twitter after that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, speaking of anything good, I just you know we don't have to spend a lot of time on it, but like. Nothing make nothing in this world makes me more happy than watching Antonio Conte celebrate a goal. Mm-hmm. Like like genuine like it's just genuine. If you watch it in slow mo, it is the reason why people love football. Like mm. there's no other way to put it. Passion, aggression. <laughs> I mean, he's a very violent celebrator. Like like I don't know who which assistant it was, but he almost pulled the tracksuit off of his back and like he smacked him on the back a couple of times. I remember last year, I forget who we were playing, but he did a chin up <laughs> in the dugout. Do you remember that? Yeah. I also remember the time where he yeah. literally just trust falled into, yeah. into the crowd yeah. and stayed there for like 15 or 20 Great. seconds and people rubbing his head, pulling his suit and he just like wasn't even phased by yeah, it. Yeah. Like, and he's back to the suit. He's, he is back to the you suit. You know, Thank I honestly, God. I, I did like the, 
the sweatsuit. There's something about an Italian wearing a full-on coordinated sweatsuit. You're you just know. you're just saying that because you're a fan of The Sopranos. Exactly. Yeah, it makes me feel like you know we're in the back of an Italian yeah. restaurant, we're meeting with Tony, Vinny, you know, Capiche. Yeah, yeah, sure. But the suit, no, yeah, but, yeah. you got you got to rock the suit though. Yeah, but he's rocking an Italian suit. So, yeah. But, so that's all that matters. So he's still a little bit Capiche. Yeah. You know? No. Yeah. So. So final thoughts on the game, Zach. Um. Um, I, I think I think it's time for my rant, right? Yeah. So people need to um, put in, put, I, I put it lightly. So like, this the only way I could really say it is like, this is for anyone who's not a Chelsea fan. Shut the fuck up, <laughs> and start giving us the respect that we deserve. Like, crisis, my ass. Like, hilarious. We're dude. literally like, you lose one match. And you have 37 matches to go, and we're in a crisis. Manchester City just tied today against Everton. Are they in a crisis? Arsenal lost to Stoke. Well, they're in a crisis. Yeah. But, <laughs> but like, That's seriously, different. the media constantly labels us as a club in chaos and where, you know, order is never going to be restored and, you know, we're the king's landing of, 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 of football clubs. And, and, you know, just shut the fuck up. Watch the match. Watch the way we play. Look at the way the players committed on the pitch today. Or, excuse me, on Sunday. We grit, aggression, passion, like, discipline. Those are all things that a club in chaos doesn't do on the field. And those are all things that we did against Tottenham. So this is my final thought on the match. The club needs to back Conte the way the players do. Because it's clear that the players believe in him 110%. You want proof? Look at David Luiz playing out of position. Look at Andreas Christensen making his first competitive full Premier League debut. Look at Rudiger making his second Premier League, you know, his, his second Premier League appearance. Our captain was out. Our One of our best playmakers in Fabregas was out. Our best player was out. And we still managed to go to Wembley against a strong Tottenham team and pull a result out of our ass because the players believe in the coach. So the club needs to get up and they need to stand up for our coach and prove that we mean business, that we want to be the biggest clubs in Europe. Because right now it's a joke. So there's my rant. Uh, I, I, feel, I'll, I don't feel much better, <laughs> to be honest. I'll, I'll, I'll close this out. So huge respect for Antonio Conte, first of all for having the confidence in his personnel to tweak our tried and true 3-4-3 formation and play a formation that better suited our personnel that day. It was the first time we played in a formation like this and the defense looked incredibly poised. We're able to stay compact and, you know, their defense never lost their balance. Even after attack, after attack, after attack, we're able to stay on our toes. Um, another point, Courtois, once again, looks like one of the greatest goalies in the world. After a pretty mediocre performance last week, not a bad performance, but not to his standards. Um, two more things. So in regards to Tottenham trying to create an artificial atmosphere by hooking up a oh drum to the PA system, joke. Spurs like, are gonna spur. You know what can I say? Like, like the only thing more Spursy than that is if they had like holographic Premier League trophies. <laughs> like that's the only way they'll get their hands on them. Right? Holographic cabinets because. <laughs> Right now, they don't even need any fucking cabinets because they don't win shit. So. Last point. Okay. Fun, fun fact. Actually, since 2009, 
the American football team, the New England Patriots, have won more games at Wembley than Tottenham. <laughs> That's probably honestly the best stat I've heard all year. And I really hope that at the end of the season, we can still say this stat and it will stay, still stay true. You know what? I think that is arguably like one of the hilarious. funniest stats I've ever heard in my life. I love that. Yeah, it makes I, me feel I so love good. that. And yeah. It means to make me think that they're going to be playing at Wembley the rest hey, of the man. season. Oh, so maybe beautiful. maybe the Spurs should go after Tom Brady. <laughs> so, um, part two. So, a little short this section because yeah. every single player we've been linked with lately has been covered in our yeah, one of our podcasts. We've talked about most. So, of them. like, so just a quick transfer update. Supposedly, Marina Granovskia is working hard. I'm using my air quotes again because we've seen this report maybe. 10 or 15 every, times well, every week yeah so she's working hard to get three more signings in so i know it's irritating because nothing ever happens but just short and sweet who are three players because they supposedly it's three signings mm-hmm. what three signings realistic signings do you want to see come to the club before the window closes okay um the first name we you know i talked about striker i think we really uh, we still really need one and especially if we were we to get rid of Michi, Pierre, Emric, Aubameyang. Wow, uh, I said realistic. Today, well, today uh, he was quoted saying that this is the quote. This is a question I keep on asking myself, and I don't have an answer. Uh, I need time to think about it. If I want to grow, I surely need to leave this summer. I'm 28, and I need to grow. If I leave, it will only be somewhere I could play regularly. So he wants to leave. And I think that it's not completely out of the question that Chelsea makes an offer a for A strike him. partnership of Aubameyang and Murata with Hazard playing underneath them is Ooh, like... dirty. It's making blood flow again. <laughs> In that spot? In that, yeah. The other, <laughs> so other names, uh, I'd, love to, I'd love to get Ross Barkley. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't know how much longer Fabregas is going to be, be with us, but I mean... As far as that the level that he's been playing at before, I think Ross Barkley will fill in that. Well, he's role gonna come at better. a discount too. Yeah, and then the last name, uh, I really like to see Cedric uh, Soros. Um, I just think that we need like a defensive-minded player at the uh, right wing back position, and um, you know I think that it would be really nice to bring him in. I mean, I the three names I have down are less star-studded, but um, I have. Ox, Alex Oxley, Chamberlain, because we need cover at either the left or right oh. wing back spots, and he could play center mid. I just um, noticed that you had Cedric Suarez on your list. I'm sorry I for have stealing that. No, no, no. <laughs> I have Cedric Suarez because he'll give us different options. So he's more defensive minded than Victor Moses, and I think he's a better man marker, but I think Victor Moses is more powerful and he's more direct. Cedric Suarez is an attacking wing back. So keep in mind that, you know, as good as he is defensively, his strong suit is the attack. And and I like that. I like that, you know, I like that approach. So I think he'll come at a decent price. He's Portuguese. He's, you know, a full-fledged international. I think it's a good purchase if we go after him. The last one, um, I'm split between two players. Um, there's both positives and negatives between both, but I have Danny Drinkwater and Gregor's Koshaliak from PSG. Mm-hmm. So Danny Drinkwater obviously will will fill our homegrown quota. Um, he's English, which is always nice, but also means that he'll come at a higher price than Gregor's Koshaliak. Um, Danny Drinkwater is a better passer. Koshaliak's a better defender. 
either one of these two I'll be happy with. We just need some we just need we need depth. And I and I don't think we need that marquee signing. I think depth is a lot more important at this point in time. So um you know, one player that's always been linked with the club since the start of the summer, you know, and we could cover this really quick. I know your answer is really short and my answer is really short as well. We have the same answer. We actually have yeah, the same can, answer, you can, you yeah. Can just go and head but like the club is still being linked with Virgil van Dyke, and I honestly, I genuinely don't understand this. I think that this is a PR ploy by the club's hierarchy just to, you know, throw some water on that fire that Conte's supposedly started at being disgruntled at the transfer activity. I mean, because the last position we need right now is another center back, right? I mean, we're just we're we're sitting here talking about how great Christensen and Rudiger are, and we're debating whether they'll get enough playing time to become the players that they can be. And if you're gonna bring in Virgil Van Dyke, I mean, I just don't see the point. I think this is the club going out and saying, "Hey, we're gonna bring Conte his marquee player so he could shut his mouth." And I, th- that's so genuinely what I think it is, and 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 I'm. And I, I think you're right, though. I think you're right. Yeah. So. Um, we don't need them. Yeah, I mean, in other news, in terms of don't not needing anything, I don't think Ngolo Conte or Antonio Rudiger needs steroids to be as good as they are. No. For those of you that didn't see, Antonio Rudiger posted an Instagram picture of him and Ngolo Conte with the caption, "Doping with Ngolo." So they got drug tested. The FA drug tested them after the Tottenham match. I take that as the biggest compliment ever because right. that just means that they balled out. They balled out. <laughs> yeah, like, they like, surprised like there's, there's really no other way to put it. So, um, you know, in terms of news and rumors, keep your eyes open. Again, it's the last week of the transfer window is coming up. Mm-hmm. So, you we, know, stay we, on. And I really do expect us. I, I do believe that we're going to be making we need, three. Or we need at least three, three or four signings. different signings. In a perfect world, we get four. Right. But I think we need three. I so. think I, I still I think we're going to be getting some. Um, Keep your eyes out. So, I think it's time to move on to the match uh, preview against Everton. So, we welcome Everton to the bridge. So, we get our chance to redeem our home form um, against a team that we've enjoyed a lot of success against at Sanford Bridge, specifically last year when we... Was that... I'm trying to be politically correct. Was that, like, like, a massacre or, like... And I think ass whooping. An ass whooping. I think ass whooping would be. A we opened up a can of whoop ass mm-hmm. on Everton uh, last year, five nil at the Bridge. They tried the mock our three four three. Yeah, mockery is the greatest flattery. Mockery right? is the greatest form of flattery. Hence Tottenham, Arsenal, Man City. And then and then Man we U, and then we dismantle them when they try it. It's amazing. It's like one of the most gratifying feelings, you know, when I they try to copy what you're doing and then you completely. Tear them apart. Pretty much every other team in the Premier League has mocked us. So thank you, uh, suckers. Anyways, um, I watched their match uh, earlier today. Again, today is Monday at you know against Man City at the Etihad. I mean, mm-hmm. they, they they pulled out a one-one draw mostly because um, Kyle Walker is a fucking idiot and got two yellow cards in two minutes. Which I don't really understand the debate on those two yellow cards. Go back and watch those. They were both deserved. So. Um, He's an idiot. But the way they lined up was, I think, is going to be very similar to the way they're going to line up against us. So very defensive-minded. Um, they played a 3-4-3 with Rooney at the top of their attack and had a dual defensive midfield setup with Idrissa Gay and Morgan Schneiderlin um, alongside of one another. So um, obviously um, an athletic midfield. Um, they have a great mix of strength and athleticism. You know, Do you think that they're going to line up um, 
against us this way. I mean, well, they, I they, sure they did they manage <laughs> to take a point out of Man City. I mean, I sure hope they do because last year that they did, you know, we smacked them. But again, they're a different team this year. They're it wasn't a different. smack. It was a we opened up ass a can of whoop ass. You're right. Well, opening up a can of whoop ass. But but they they had a very very good off season. I mean, that's an understatement. I think their off season was. Probably one of the most underrated off seasons in the Premier League. I think they're de- they're definitely one of the winners. Um, Gilfie Sigurdsson from Swansea, Davy Clausen, former captain of Ajax, Michael Keane, one of the best young English center backs, um, Sandro Ramirez, a U twenty one Spanish international who is very highly regarded in Spain. I mean, they bought the right players for the system. I mean, they brought in Wayne Rooney. Let's not forget. Um, they have great youth of uh, they have a great mix of youth and. Uh, um, you know, veteran leadership on the team. I don't think that these guys are going to make that big of an impact our first game. Besides, I mean, I mean, the first time we play yeah. him. Besides Wayne Rooney, who's been a man on fire. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and this is not that's not his first game for Everton, though. <laughs> no, no, of course not. But you know, I guess my question to you, Sam, is you know, besides the Wayne Rooney factor and negating him mm-hmm. because he looks inspired, he looks reborn. Um, and there's still obviously quality left in those boots. What do we need to do in order to take all three points against Everton on Sunday? Uh, for me, there's two main things about Everton that I look at. So um, it's their midfield. Like like you said, they're very energetic. Um, and we need to match that energy and find a way to break through those lines. Um, so And then also their defense. Um, their back three is very, very slow. Um, if we can have a, a lineup in, I mean, it looks like the, the side with, with Jagielka and Ashley Williams. Yeah. I think that's definitely, yeah. But I think that if, if we have a lineup in like William, Pedro, Murata, you know, really, really fast guys, mm-hmm. you know, we, we keep up quick passing and the, and the speed, we'll be able to break through them, uh, you know, with, with not too much difficulty. Um, you know, one thing I kind of want to point out is, like I said, they have a great mix of youth and, and veteran leadership. And like the match today against Man City, Mason Holgate basically headed a clearance right to Raheem Sterling's foot. Mm-hmm. I think that's a weakness that we could exploit. So, you know, he, he plays right wing back, um, but he is prone to errors because of his youth. Marcus Alonso needs to take the momentum that he had against Tottenham and carry it over to this match and just feast on Mason Holgate. Yeah, I, I, if I'm I'm watching this game, I want Marcus Alonso to make mincemeat out of him. Like, mm-hmm. I just mean, tear him apart, get by him, and, you know, just... He doesn't necessarily need to score goals, but just make opportunities for everyone else. You know, another thing just to note really quick before we wrap this up and give our predictions is uh, Everton's in the Europa League, and the Europa League starts early. So, uh-huh. you know, they have a fixture on Thursday. Um, even though they're up 2-0 on aggregate, they're still going to rotate their squad on Thursday and possibly a few starters will still be playing in that match. Um, especially that back three because they really don't have any, you know, um, reputable backup. So and this is also coming off a short week because they played on a Monday. They did play. They play on a Monday. They play on a Thursday and then they play on a Sunday. So against, three games in a week. Yeah. Keep in mind, you know, those two games. One's Man City. One's Man City. Yeah. One's Chelsea. Uh-huh. Um the game in between i can't even pronounce the team's name there's some like croatian team or something like that but <laughs> okay. um the bottom line is they might be leggy we have to take advantage of it um short passing like you said is going to come is going to be crucial so you know 
possession, possession, possession. I mean, mm. that's going to be the recurring theme for that match. So really quick, Psalm, um predictions. What do you think is going to happen on Sunday when we welcome Everton to the bridge? Uh, I think that... Drogba hat trick? <laughs> hopefully. Uh, hopefully he can come back and score a couple goals. But uh, 3-0 or 3-1 might be a, a, a prediction that I, I think that would happen. 3-1, huh? Yeah. I say 2-0. Um, we don't have Hazard. Um but I fully expect us to Everton's win. Everton's going to sit deep. Yeah, 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 of course. I still expect us to win. I just think Everton's going to sit really deep and make it really hard for us to break through the lines in the first half. I think it's going to be a very boring possession-based first half. And mm-hmm. in the second half, their legs are going to catch up with them. They're going to get tired. So it I'm going with a, a game, Mr. Alvaro Morata brace. Mm-hmm. I think this is the game that he's going to, you know, really get in stride in terms of his Premier League form. Um so yeah, I mean, let's hope for the best, right? I got a couple quick questions for you though before we sign out. So mm-hmm. like, last week we had a very serious pod because we lost to Burn to Burnley. Yeah, we weren't too happy. We weren't too happy about that. Obviously, so, we're a little bit more giddy this week. So because of our giddiness, um, our shenanigans questions are actually they're pretty funny a little bit this better. week. Yeah, a little yeah, better. yeah, I think I think they're good. So so the first one, I mean, answer it seriously too, um, or as serious as you can. So. <laughs> What's harder to look at? Okay. Um, obviously, today we had the lunar eclipse. Beautiful. Um, was which beautiful. was beautiful. Like, did you see the picture of Trump looking at it yeah. without his glasses? <laughs> I was going to be part of my answer. But yeah. But was, so, okay. So, a- anyways, we had the lunar eclipse. Um, that was really hard to look at, even if you had glasses. Like, 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 you couldn't see anything. We're in Southern California. We only had a partial eclipse. So, what's harder to look at? That lunar eclipse or... Eric Dyer's slide tackling ability because that guy is fucking garbage. Well, that's, that's what I was going to say. Tackling. If I was Trump, then I would have no problem looking at the lunar eclipse because I would just walk outside and look straight at it. Well, Trump's really used to looking at bright lights, huh? I mean, those tanning beds have pretty yeah. bright lights inside of them. So. Damn, that was damn. nice. Roast. Okay, anyways. <laughs> um, second God, question. Damn. So, so, so second question. Um, since last week was sad, we thought we would carry, you know, that theme over to this week. But, um, you know, so what do you think is sadder? Arsenal fan TV or Mauricio Pochettino's taste in sweater in sweaters? I mean, <laughs> I don't, not, not so much the the actual sweater, but just the decision in size. Maybe he should <laughs> maybe he should get a little bit bigger size. I mean, you could see his belly button. Hole. But I think there is nothing in this world that is sadder than Arsenal fan TV. So yeah. if you, I don't, it doesn't matter what the second part of the question was. I already knew my answer. If you don't know Arsenal fan TV, go on YouTube and watch it right now. Like, oh. Can we, can we just? I want to end it Actually, also on another another funny Arsenal note. Yeah. How Jack Wilshere today he got sent off in a U twenty three match today. That's yeah. that's almost as sad as a how Arsenal. Arsenal how Arsenal-y right? is that? That's so. That's just Arsenal so. Arsenal will never cease to amaze me. <laughs> I know. It's just such an amazing team to watch. So we ran out of time. Um, actually, we just want to watch Arsenal Fan TV now. So um, if you guys have any uh, questions, comments, if you want to add a shenanigans question, um, please feel free to tweet us at Roman's Empire Pod. Please. Or uh, email us, um, RomansEmpirePod at gmail.com. We've been getting a lot of great feedback. We, I know we say it every week. We sound like a broken record, but it's really awesome. We want to know what you guys think. So 
get back to us. And uh, until next Tuesday, um, keep the blue flag flying high and hopefully a win against Everton. So see you later. <laughs>